Hello and welcome to the Unofficial Controller Podcast, your weekly gaming podcast. Episode 8, The History of the Sega Dreamcast. With me, George, and as always joined by my co-host, Tom. VMU to my Rod Hull and Emu. How's it <laughs> mind, going? Mind that roof. Yeah, um, yeah I'm alright. How are you? <clears throat> I'm doing very well. Obviously, uh, you probably from the acoustics, you guys can realise we're still in med bay. I'm still confined. Yeah, he's still injured. To my bed. Tom's been having a whale of a time upstairs with Mumsy, picnics, the whole bag of tricks. And Overwatch been... on 24-7. Oh, and I'm stuck here. You won't bring any consoles down for me. No, so I've no. been Portables under... only for you. Underneath that box of uh, medical bandages, I find myself a copy of Tomb Raider Anniversary for the PSP. And that's what you've been playing. <laughs> that's week? can you believe a modern news gaming news show? And I'm going to tell you about what it was like to play Tomb Raider Anniversary Stroke Legend on the PSP. We've we've reached new heights. Actually, Legend isn't very good. Anniversary Anniversary is excellent on the PSP as well. I thought I've not played it on that. But... It, it's one of the best. I'm I'm going out here on an absolute limb. Might be one of the best PSP games I've played. Mm. Just fits. It feels right. You've been watching any UMD movies? Well, you might like this. You might like this, actually. A quick segue. A while ago, I picked up a copy of The Extras on UMD. Full ah. Series 1. So, so Ian, so Ian. Don't forget Super Army Soldiers. <laughs> Ross Kemp is just brilliant in that, isn't so he? So I've got that to look forward to. Super um, Army Soldiers. What else have I been up to? Been playing a little bit more Final Fantasy on the Vita, but I haven't got a charger nearby for that, and you obviously won't oblige. So I'm <laughs> breathing life into the PSP's charger through through static electricity to keep me going. And while I've been down here musing on the sorrows which is the broken foot scenario off the back of your misplaced toys what you've been playing i have been playing upstairs days gone on a big hd tv screen just to rub it in a bit uh i've got a bit further on that finished it yet no i must be near the end again like we discussed last week really hard to tell where you are with the percentages sometimes but i think going on where the story's gone, I must be. And, and I'm in a different area as well. Ooh. Um, so is that map is, enlarged? Does it give faith it to the uh, yeah. new arrivals who've just picked the game up, for instance? Yeah, it does get bigger. Um, like but it also or... locks off that first area for Ooh. a time. Oh. Whether I'll be able to go... I'm sure I'll be able to go back there. I think um, so. Because you, if you're going to free roam to finish off some of the checkpoints... Yeah, there's a, yeah, exactly. There's side missions and stuff to, to mop up. Um, but again, just an, an enjoyable game. Uh, also been playing my new game plus on God of War some more. Um, always outstanding by that game. Started watching the documentary about it on YouTube. Okay. Uh, Raising Kratos, which is worth a look if any listeners want to check that out. For those um, who don't know about that, why don't you just fill us in? Because that was an anniversary of the game and celebration. It was, yeah. Um, so it's a, a, I think it's about an hour and a half documentary, uh, just from from the start of the game to the finish, really. Uh, wow. and, okay. and really in depth. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, and it with good. its in depth, does it ever sort of touch on that sort of final rushed panic where the game probably wasn't most functional or do they kind of brush over that and uh, yeah it does does a little bit yeah that's um, very cool to be that open. It, was, it was good to see the e3 reveal again um just yes. touching on e3 quickly we are going to have an e3 preview coming up um 
which will be in the next couple of weeks, uh, where we're going to be discussing what we hope to see, uh, what's confirmed to be there, what's rumoured to be there, and various other things to do with the show. Nice. Um, I think that's about it for what I've been playing this week. Okay. I've been trying to tempt you uh, when you're able to scramble back up the stairs to explore the Wild West again in well, Red Dead Redemption we, we, we Online. We either need a new longer extension cable. <laughs> yeah. We need to maybe ask Mumsy for an Ethernet cable. We yeah. can maybe get something going on. You know, we can't get Wi-Fi down here. So Red Dead Online's just come out of beta, um, and it looks like it's had a fairly decent update. Okay. Uh, there's like a bank robbery mission and uh, some missions for Sadie Adler, who, if you play the game, you'll know one of the sort of supporting characters, a favourite so, among many. So like that multi-limbed creature in uh, The Fellowship of the Ring that grabs around the pony's legs. <laughs> Much like that, you are, combined with Red Dead Redemption 2, creeping up out of the lake and wrapping around the little pony, which is me, and dragging me into the dark depths of online gaming. Yes. Never going to happen. <sighs> <laughs> it might. It might. It will, listeners. It will We've been happen. there, haven't we? And I yeah. kind of got upset by it. But I'm willing to revisit if it can be our... We don't like griefers, do we, in online games? No griefers here. <clears throat> yeah. Well, Tom, uh, we must yeah. wonder to ourselves. We've scoured, as always, the very darkest regions of the darkest corners <clears throat> of the dark web to bring you the f- latest stories. First up, we're friends. No, hang on. Are we? Tom... News in. Now, this comes off the back of the news that Microsoft and Sony had struck a deal based around using their Azure Cloud solution. Uh, Great, we all thought. Nice joined-up approach and very friendly. Except no one told PlayStation. (laughs) In a report from Bluebird, it is stated that talks between two businesses started last year in Tokyo, although these meetings were kept under wraps. Staff at the gaming division were caught off guard by the news. Managers had to calm workers and assure them that plans for the company's next-generation console weren't affected. And it's baffling to think that uh, PlayStation hierarchy didn't actually know. But interesting times indeed, Tom. First little news story there. What's your take on that? That is bizarre, isn't it? To to not involve them. For them to not know. I mean, you're yeah, well on with your plans. It's very plans. smoke and mirrors, isn't it? I mean, you're well on with your plans for your new console that's going to have to have some sort of streaming capability in it. Yeah. You'd think they would be sort of 90% complete on that solution, then all of a sudden there's a knock on the door. Oh, Mr. Yoshida, what are you doing here? <laughs> you brought Mr. Gates. What's going on? Oh, your best friends were meant to be implementing this in the new console. I'd never... Okay, yeah. it's a bit strange, but it is. Um, it's what... a, probably from a technical standpoint, it's probably a good solution. So, are they trying to work on something that they can both utilize on their next gen consoles? I like think Microsoft's already service. got this Azure platform up and running. And okay. I think they utilize it themselves. In fact, I'm pretty sure they do. Right, it's what I've read. Factorzoid. So it's it's definitely not like a collaboration we saw with Microsoft and Nintendo with Cuphead and. Probably no. This is more of like a, of the games to be coming to the this Switch. is more like a a, a higher technical. technical solution to a problem they must have sort of you know discovered. Yeah, PlayStation now it's it's there or thereabouts. But I've seen some issues with especially PlayStation Three games. Well, a friend of mine um, had the PlayStation now, and he said it was nearly unplayable. Um, he tried Red Dead Redemption One. Yeah. Um, and obviously he was playing it single player 
but it's streaming. And he said it was like watching a pixelated video on YouTube. Ooh. So I think we're still in that realm of you've got to have a good connection. Well, uh, I also think connection this, to, this, to Azure, stream. this Azure Cloud is the solution. Yeah. There was no point. If you th- just think about it for a minute, you're Sony. You're not, you're not, you're not a program. You're not known for being a programming yeah. company. All right, you do programming, you make video games, and that's all well and good. But normally, nine times out of ten, you're a hardware manufacturer. Microsoft produce software solutions. Why not just? I tell you what. Let's go down the PC world for Sony. You're walking down the thing. Microsoft's brand new nine ninety nine Azure Cloud solution. Oh, I'll put that in the basket. Off we go. You get yeah. home, you plug it in. Job sorted. Yeah. And what with the PlayStation becoming a bit more PC-based, laptop in a box, as yeah. these things have been coined these days, or power gaming laptops in boxes. Yeah. Just perfect. Plug and play. Let it run in the background. Yes, agreed. It'd be, it'd be nice to see that um, become a natural solution and, and make streaming it does make a you lot wonder more what uh, the, usable for everyone. I wonder what the reserve plan was. Before they rocked up and said this is what's happening, I wonder what was going down at Sony HQ. <clears throat> what was their solution before the boss rolled up and said, "There you go, I fixed it for you." Yeah, I throw some money at that. It's done. Like what were I they doing? Think. Like string, yeah. lollipops, and semaphore. Um, Tom, your wheelhouse, I'll, Nintendo news. Yeah, get I'll, up on the podium. Here's the I'm up on the podium. Uh, Super Mario Maker tells us more. Last week, Nintendo held. Uh, one of their Nintendo Direct events based around the up-and-coming new Mario Maker 2. Um, we picked out a few interesting bits for you. So some of the tools and themes... Let's just um, let the fans know. Pull up a chair, because Tom's going to feature dump on you. Oh, yeah. Like the first game, you build your stage uh, from the ground up with uh, level palettes, foes, and items from various Mario games. You can modify foes to make them bigger and hide them in blocks. New tools include slopes, uh, which was really requested from the first game so good to see they've addressed that the angry sun enemy snake blocks on off switch for blocks seesaws that tilt under the player's weight swinging claws uh mario can use to swing through levels um water oh it's so he can swing through some of the water and lava levels and custom scrolling for side scrolling levels uh dry bone shells bullet bills and new sound effects uh new Course themes include desert, snow, forest, sky, and day and night, the latter featuring new renditions of classic Mario themes. All themes have modifiers that affect the stage at night, like the ground on the snow theme causing Mario to slip around while the desert theme has a sandstorm that blows Mario back. That's a cool feature. Yeah, I did see that in the in the video footage and was really I, impressed I have everything that. that you've said so far, that's the one that made me go, oh, yeah. that's clever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not days gone snow building up on no. Mario as it runs through the level yeah. for sure. But but the a, fact that you're building these levels yourself, exactly. Um, and and is, from is a really impressive. from a fan creation point of view, there's going to be lots of really cool ways to utilize that. That's not I necessarily mean, it, it, snow. It, yeah, it's mind boggling what people are going to be able to create. And it, I went from like maybe picking this up to I think I'll actually get it because, like I've said before, I'm not. That creative if this on these sorts out this of games. Week, if this was out this week, would you throw down a mummy mummy on it? Yes, I would. I would. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to save my pennies for that. Okay. Or I could rob yours while you're down in the med bay. Can't get access to anything. Yeah. I'm surprised. I'm I'm probably thinking when I finally get out of the med bay, I'm going to go upstairs and my clothes are going to be sold. Mm. All my presents, Christmas presents, my Jar Jar plush. Now you'll yeah. have kept that. 
<laughs> bitter, salty man that you are. <laughs> um, moving back to Mario Maker, um, you can set some clear conditions for each level, such as a player obtaining a certain object or amount of coins. Um, Mario Maker 2 includes classic game styles. It also has a new style based on Mario 3D World. So you can create 3D stages with unique objects, actions, and characters like Cat Mario. So I just want to clarify yeah, well, that. that. that... It's, it's not like a 3D perspective as such, like a 3D open world Mario. It's I mean, the isometric that's the style dreams, we... isn't it? Yeah, but it's the isometric style we saw in the last Switch yeah. or Wii game. Yeah, yeah. Wii and Wii in um, sort of the new Super Mario Brothers games as well. Um, there's also multiplayer and course world. You'll need a Nintendo Switch Online membership to upload, share, and play others' courses via Course World. So this is that's quite a good reason to own Switch Online, which sometimes I dabble in and I, I kind of I don't have a twelve month subscription for it. I just tend so to get it when I need it. So you need their equivalent of Xbox Live or PlayStation Plus to upload these these courses or download these courses. Uh, that is correct. Uh, you can browse them by theme, difficulty, recency, or genre, and also most popular. So it's it's good that they've got those filters on there so you can really sort of look for what you what you really want to play. Um in Course World you can do an endurance run of randomly selected stages uh and try and get the bragging rights in endless challenge mode. Um also network multiplayer options like you play stages competitively or co-op with other players in both modes your mission is to get through the course. The versus mode includes a ranking system as well. You and a friend can make levels together with other people using the co-op function, um, which would be quite interesting to try. I think that's a good like family-type game to try and get you, your children involved in making um, in, yeah, in level building. Even more so, I, I see some um, usability in that with the fact that I wonder if you can... You go on to your version of it. Your friend yeah. in America goes on to his version of it. Yeah. So we're across the world. Yeah. Designing a level together on Mario Maker 2. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. It's a, a really impressive feature when I watch the Direct. Definitely. Um, and there's also a local multiplayer option for up to four people. So you've boiled down in that little chat these nuggets of information that we're finding out about Mario Maker 2. You've also alluded to the fact that you want to pop a ring on its finger and walk it down the aisle. <laughs> or are thinking about asking its father... Uh, for the opportunity to ask for its hand in marriage. Anything else? You, are you giddy for this, Tom? Yeah, absolutely. I so, mean, are you giddy for this, Tom? Let's go I full am, I am giddy. I can't hear uh, you, Tom. Yes, I am giddy. <laughs> I'm excited for this game. Um, it's been a bit quiet for me on the Switch. I, I picked up a few... Red in- Dead Redemption 3 gets announced it's coming out to, on the same day <laughs> as Mario Maker mm, 2. Yes, let's Which think. is your mummy mummy? Uh, I think that would be Red Dead 3, wouldn't So in it? the right environment, Mario Maker 2 is your dream date? Uh, yeah. And it's as close as you can get on the Switch this June. Based on the uh, upcoming <laughs> release window, you think she's your gal? Yeah. And you recommend it? You can't see a reason why not to recommend that? This no, there's there's no reason why I wouldn't recommend that. If you're not a fan of the 2D Mario's, you're not going to find that much here you like. But you might have a creative side and you think, oh, I can make Mario. So levels. all being well, yes, you're going to make Mario Maker Two your forever date. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't work out, it's going to be your ex. It will. Last bit of news for the Xbox, Tom. Oh, seamless. <laughs> Smooth operator. Uh, Hey, with uh, now Xbox, 
gone and grabbed themselves a backward compatibility sale. They've got that going on at the moment. The problem, uh, the program which allows some original Xbox and Xbox 360 games to run on Xbox One is one of the platform's best USPs. The library has over 500 games currently available and new ones added regularly. Some even get the Xbox One enhanced Stingray Blu-ray treatment (laughs) for optimising the game for the most powerful console on the market. The backwards compatible sale runs through March 27th, so you've got one week to revisit old favourites or finally catch up on a classic you missed at a deeply discounted price. Um, we've just rustled together from that 500 list here. Sorry, that's a correction. That was May 27th. What uh, did I say? You said March. The yeah. Ides of March. I sit down here, I've got no... You've lost all... I don't even like, know what time it you, is. You don't even know what realm you're in, I don't think. No, I, I, um, you know, that's a very solid point well made. Yeah. No idea where I am. It's the meds. So, so what we, games are in that? Well, we've we've combined a little uh, harem of the finest titles that we can see in that 500-strong list. Um, Street Fighter 4, 999. I a, spent a lot of time on that game. Good game. Excellent. Catherine, Excellent game. 999. Great game. Need to pick it up. Halo Reach, 999. Yeah. Again, very generous. Red Dead Redemption 1, the sequel to the prequel to the sequel. Nine eighty nine, Assassin's Creed. Now, is that Assassin's Creed one? Oh yes, it is. Uh That's actually probably my favourite Assassin's Creed. Is it? Yeah, I just the way it starts, the the setting. I remember all the the sales literature on the build up to it and the magazine. I just never like those bits where you go and players. Is it Desmond or whatever in the an unnecessary compromise? Yeah, it just takes you right out of the historical setting that you're in. but I'm sure other people might like it. What else did you... Have a little dip. This is a little um, bit like an early Stingray's boot, isn't it? It You've is, got mental. Yeah. i tell you what, it's a tabletop sale down at the local Xbox charity run. Far Cry 3, uh, 7.99. Bioshock, 7.99. Now that... Uh, yeah, great oh, game. Come on, that has to get picked up. And if it's got the Stingray Blu-ray enhancement treatment, the director Stingray cut, that's going to look great on the Xbox yeah. One X. It, it was impressive back in the day, wasn't it, Agreed. graphically and gameplay. Yeah. Uh, we've got Borderlands 2, if you fancy picking that up before the uh, inevitable Borderlands 3, which uh, comes out get on the, the summer. Get on the hype train. Uh, Super Meat Boy, Gears of War. That I mean, come on. That, if you haven't got that, you need that. Yeah. I mean, come on. How can you not have an Xbox? My favourite Grand Theft Auto, Grand Theft Auto 4 on the list. Roman, want to go bowling? Hmm, sure. (laughs) Uh, Mass Effect 2. I'm busy. (laughs) Always busy. I'm always busy. Uh, Mass Effect 2, probably the best of the trilogy. We've talked about that numerous times on the show. Uh, Dragon Age Origins, just to back up the Mass Effect 5 going on there. Rayman Origins and the original Just Cause. At 99p. (laughs) Or 99 cents for our Australian or American cousins who are dealing with the dollar. I'm sure roundabout, flick a coin, yeah, exchange, exchange rate. rates. It's there or thereabouts. That's as close as we could get. Them. So, did we miss anything? Well, let's just talk about that, Tom. Anything in there you would pick up? Um, Skull and Bones has been uh, delayed. Wait, the, uh, you've Ubisoft... done it again. You've been handed a gun. You've looked down the barrel, you've shot. Is there anything on there that particularly excites you that you would pick up and pick out? Oh, sorry. For the uh, Xbox sale. (laughs) You get so carried away. For the Xbox sale, 
Before we launch into the Skull and Bones news that shocked all naval gurus to their very foundations, it's rocked them. Much like a C-State 9 rocks a great big aircraft carrier, the Skull and Bones news rocked Tom's very equilibrium this morning when it dropped on the green screen. Before we launch into the funeral march, which is Skull and Bones, Tom, <laughs> anything on there that you want to pull out as being yeah, recommend? I, I would go boys? for Mass Effect 2, uh, Street Fighter 4 for a sort of local multiplayer mm-hmm. experience. Um, and yeah... Let's go bowling with Roman and have Grand Theft Auto 4 as well. Okay. Well, I would also recommend on that list, if if they haven't tried it, Catherine's a fantastic title. Um, it's a bit out there. It's a bit Japanese, anime. as we call it. It's anime. anime. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's a very strange game about a guy who cheats on his girlfriend or his wife or his fiance called Catherine uh-huh. with another woman called Catherine with with K, I can't remember which way round it is now. But either which way, you kind of live in his fever dreams oh. as this all runs runs amok through his life, and the guilt yeah. takes over. And yeah, very interesting. Out of all those games that we've talked about, it's probably the most left field. But from a simple puzzle game interact interactivity level to the story of it, it's one they've got to look out. Now, Tom. Seems that your uh, sadness got the better of you. You ran across the gangplank before it was even down on the shore. Tell us about Skull and Bones. <laughs> so Skull and Bones, a game uh, me and you were looking forward to, has been uh, delayed uh, back to um, after 2019, maybe uh, end of 2020. Is that how uh, it was in the company's fiscal report? Yes. highly accurate so yeah we're gonna like i don't know end of 2019 under 2020 maybe just the account like a whole year difference um yeah it doesn't look like it's going to be at e3 which any any reasoning given for that slippage when you got on the green screen and you check their blackberries behind the scenes i think they did probably want to give it a bit of extra polish maybe something's not working on it uh maybe it would launch on next gen. So it's not the would fact it be that in a new, would it be in a new IP that could probably launch it on next gen without worrying about that install base of, let's say it's a sequel. Um, I guess it is a, you could say it's sort of a sequel to black flag, but it's not, it's got oh, the same yeah. mechanics, I guess with the naval combat, well, which, uh, which we both thought was really it's good. Loosely similar mechanics, but it's actually yeah. much more advanced. I think there's a lot more they've added to it. Uh, yeah, so that's a shame, but uh, hopefully we'll hear more on that end of this year. A burial at sea. Mm. Shot down with a cannon. Well, on that note, Tom seems to have rounded out the barrel of the news. <coughs> we can start to turn down the green screen. But before we do, Tom, did we miss anything? Do you have an opinion or take on the news, the fans out there, that we may have missed? If they did, and let's hope... That all Mumsy's money on voodoo magic while you're asleep <laughs> has paid off. How will the collected masses get in contact with us? Uh, they can reach us at questions at unofficialcontrollerpodcast.com. The amount uh, of goat's blood that was sacrificed across him in his sleep for that. <laughs> if there's no cheese in the deli this morning, you know the reason why. Tell them about the social media hookups, Tom. Uh, we've got Instagram account, uh, which you can direct messages on, and also Twitter, uh, where you can reach us as well. And tell us. We also have just put the uh, 
the pilot episode onto YouTube. Costas a king's ransom to Stingray, but yeah. seemingly he knows a guy down at the chip Whose shop. uncle works at YouTube. Whose uncle owns a 486 PC, <laughs> and he can upload for us. Excellent. He's got a solid dial-up connection as well. He has, and he's used paint to decorate them. <laughs> so there's going to be a rolling slideshow <coughs> for the fans who choose to watch our logo rotate instead of listening to us in their earphones. They want to watch yeah. and listen at the same time. So, yeah, we're hoping uh, to to reach more listeners on YouTube and uh, and get the uh, the podcast out there. Um, okay, so, Tom, well, moving on. we've chewed through that first bit of the podcast. Sometimes a little abrasive, what you've been eating. Well, what's that? Hang on a little bit of a minute. There's the succulent centre of that. Just gently guide down my throat like a locket, which is the news. Then after the news, we stumble blindly, and sometimes incoherently, into the week's feature. Tom, this week we're going to talk about the Sega Dreamcast. A discussion around the Dreamcast. As always, you guys got in touch to share those treasured memories of Sega's final fatal fling in the console fight. And we're including those to add a real personal touch to this story. So, Tom, grab hold of the back of the wheelchair, my friend, and push forward. As Tom wheels me down another level to where, I'll tell you what, I shouldn't have had that extra puck of pie yesterday. I can see I'm struggling. The perspiration on your head is dripping <laughs> down onto me like an Amazonian rainforest. <laughs> and we head down another level to where we find Stingray's ex-girlfriend's car that he has parked here since they split up after she had been seen with the barman after hours down at the Wagon and Horses. Dirty dog. Well, we don't want to get into that, Tom. No. And look at her now as we round the corner. Look at her in all her resplendent, metallic, burgundy glory. And look at those (laughs) neon green racing stripes. Question, Tom. Do these stripes actually help this vehicle go any faster? Much, much faster. (laughs) Okay. Amongst these modifications... There's also some time travel circuits. So, let's take a seat in the back of the Maestro Turbo. Take a sip on the out-of-date McDonald's Coke on the floor. Tom, hit the Blast Process button and let's go. What's Blast Processing? So what's Blast Processing do? This is the day you have trained for. The day you have studied for. Utilize your superior skills. And that is what time travel feels like. So, Tom, here we are, nestled in the Dreamcast feature. We've blown the budget clean out. We've literally poured enough leaded fuel in the Maestro, to propel us back in time through the medium of blast processing. It's nine nine ninety nine. We're pre-millennium, baby. We're in America. The console's been out in Japan since 27th of November 1998, and it's just around the corner, due out in Europe on October the 14th, 1999. The hype, the tension, Tom, is palpable. Yeah, let's uh, quickly touch on how the Dreamcast came to be. To do this, let's have a quick look at what came before it. 
The Sega Saturn, hostage to some great games, is ultimately too difficult to program for. It's retrospectively earned a well-deserved accolade of handling 2D sprites with real finesse, and most of these games look best at home on the Saturn. But using time travel, we get here, and taste for anything 2D is gone. No one wants to know any more, and it's flocking to the polygons, and the mighty original PlayStation became now, that king. We're here in this moment, and uh, I remember this moment very, very, very vividly. <clears throat> and the and the fans. They can't time travel because they haven't got access to a burgundy, metallic burgundy MG Maestro, Maestro Turbo. Turbo. They don't, don't have forget that. the Turbo. Yeah, so we, we've got them here. Now, at the time, we were going through the end of the SNES. Yeah. And we were looking for that full transition to 3D. We didn't want anything 2D. We were, we were firmly embedded in this sort of 3D world. Yeah, everyone had either picked up a PlayStation or N64... Um, and the problem with that is I had an N64 at the time and yeah. I'd bought every game that I was feasibly ever going to be into all the Nintendo mm-hmm. stuff, the Star Wars games GoldenEye Jet Force anything you can imagine I had it but it didn't quite have that sort of mature hook and I knew at the time even though the N64 looked good for its time there was something lacking in the graphical department something wasn't right and I also looked over at my PlayStation friends and thought They've got such a great mix of games. It's very much... There was so much you could get any kind of game you wanted on PlayStation 1. You couldn't on N64. And then just popping its head over the hill there, Tom, the mighty Dreamcast rocked up. Yeah. So after the debacle that was the Sega Saturn, it wasn't really looking that good, was it? So what's Sega to do? It was time to right the ship, Tom. Win back some of the faith that they'd lost through through the badly navigated, in the case of the Mega CD, a totally underutilised add-on. The disaster that was the Saturn, whose botched launch cost it long-term support from the likes of EA. Now, we've got to look back at that, Tom. That hurt the Saturn hard. Yeah, it that's from been having... seen in several other consoles, hasn't it? Not having that big third-party publisher support. Um... And love them or hate them... <clears throat> FIFA sells consoles, unfortunately. Yeah, they, they've got some big games, haven't they? So that's always going to be one you're going to want on board. Um, so, yeah. That, well, they vowed to never work with Sega again. That's yeah. some bold words. Well, that's ultimately what led to the Sega Sports Series and the birth of the 2K franchise, because Sega was... The hat, as always, ah, I see. when they couldn't get Fatal Fury, they went yeah. back and they developed their own version. Mm-hmm. Streets of Rage. When EA said, we're not sharing Madden, we're not sharing FIFA, we're not sharing any of these great NASCAR, IndyCar games that we chuck around like confetti at a wedding, you're not having any of those anymore, Sega. Sega, what did they do? They went backstage, brushed off the clickety-clackety keyboard, Paid some work experience boy to rustle up a game, and as always, Sega rustled up <laughs> something really special. And they came out fine with their own sports division. Now, those games were great, and they spawned a really great franchise. But you've got to imagine from a from an early adopter's point of view, we we're throwing caution to the wind, Tom. We're picking yeah. up the Dreamcast regardless. But let's say you're sat on the fence, and you're not sure. I knew people at the time that they were they were needing the security of those big titles. Yeah. And that hurt the Saturn as much as it hurt the Dreamcast. Yeah, I think you still probably had people playing original PlayStation 1 um, when the Dreamcast was out. 
yeah uh, because of definitely because of those reasons because we're just not willing to to jump on board with that um so moving on it's here sega lay licking the wounds that started to experiment this device needed to be easy to program and port for and much like in today's news an alliance was formed with microsoft to develop a version of windows specifically for up and coming for the up and coming new box now they developed this windows ce as it's emblazoned across the front of all those white uh, or black depending if you've got the sports model in america um windows ce now i wrongly assumed before doing research for this said feature, before jumping in the Maestro and hitting the blast process button, you went. But you went without me. No, no. Before today, oh. I had assumed I wouldn't ever time travel without you. What if I got lost? Well, yeah, I've got and, a broken and foot. You, you are full Brandon Stark in that wheelchair. <laughs> I am the holder of all knowledge, past, present, and future. Um, the three-eyed Raven. I am the three-eyed Raven of software. And seemingly, in this case, hardware. Back on topic, as we have strayed so far from, like Frodo in the marshes. (laughs) Luckily, Tom, (laughs) like Smeagol, leapt forward to save me from myself. Uh, We we revert back to the Windows CE conversation. And blazing on the front of all those white Dreamcast or black Dreamcast boxes were the words Windows CE. Now, Windows devised, Microsoft devised a special version of Windows that would run on there to enable PC games to be easily ported. Guess what? Even with that easy programming skill there, it was so easy to program for, most of them didn't even boot in Windows. They just booted straight to the AM2 drive. So that Dreamcast was... It was punchy. We got a lot of cool PC ports that we wouldn't have probably had on the playstation one although you know i'm citing hidden and dangerous i think they've got a playstation port but it looked great yeah. on dreamcast and i think that certainly if they didn't use the windows ce technology it certainly um helped the developers realize that the console was easy to develop for uh, we talk about ea running a country mile but um we got a resident evil port on there and support yeah didn't we capcom yeah Came in with some great games, Power Stone 1 and 2. So, uh, Code Veronica, was was that an exclusive on the Dreamcast? At the time. At the time, start Since it received a PS2 port. It has, yes. um, But at the time, oh yeah, it was an absolute exclusive. Now, the rumour why it's called Code Veronica X, to bore the living daylights out of you, is because apparently they'd signed an exclusivity deal with PlayStation on the numbered iterations of Resident Evil. Oh, right, so they had to ditch that. A la Code Veronica could become a spin-off mm. that could be put on the Dreamcast. Yeah. And it was also meant to be... Nice little fact there. little factoid. And it was also, I do believe, meant to actually be the real Resident Evil 3. And if you dig out there amongst the fans, they will actually say that they view Resident Evil Code Veronica as 3. Yeah. And 3 stroke Nemesis... Was, was a halfway house that was just thrown on the console at the last minute. I'm not saying yeah. it's not a good game. But out, of the th- out of the trilogy on PS1, I think 3 is probably the weaker. Uh, it is rumoured to be getting a remake similar to 2. So it, I tell you what. That would look pretty impressive. It would, and it, I, I tell you what, the nemesis would be pretty terrifying yeah. in that. Um, because what's yeah. his name in 2? Uh, the Tyrant. 
Yeah, he just kind of walks towards you in that way. It's super scary. Pretty freaky. And it's that slow... Having not played that as well before, that was really creepy the first time he appears. Very cool. But moving on to the the history... um, Well, what did they codename the console, Tom? It was called uh, Codename Katana. Ah, after the Japanese sword. Yeah. Things began to gather at Sega Towers. Like previous Sega consoles, the Dreamcast was designed around intelligent subsystems working in parallel with one another. But the selections of hardware were more in line with what was common in personal computers than video games consoles, reducing the system's cost. So that's a, that's quite a good idea. From Right from the get-go. I never remember it being very expensive. Like, if we compare it to sort of, I don't know, the PS3. Oh, it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think the Dreamcast always had a reasonable reception it was just getting what what they call in the industry bums on seats it's mm. it's all well and good saying oh that dreamcast is cool but then they needed someone to put money down and take it home um and that was all part of trying to keep that price down that's another reason why it didn't receive a blu-ray drive because oh. they were desperate to keep the price down yeah also sony own blu-ray technology um dvd, DVD. technologies are Do- you going to give them 10 percent of every console you sell that's yeah probably counterproductive yeah, do you think that lack of DVD playback damaged them a bit in the wake of the PS2 afterwards? I think a little. I think yeah. before the PlayStation 2 was out, no one... Blu-ray... I keep calling it Blu-ray. DVD was out, okay? And it was on the fringes of audiovisual. Yeah. And it was, oh, you know, get a get a DVD player. And everyone's heard the, the, the factoid that, oh, PlayStation cornered the market because they stuck a DVD drive in there and it was a real cheap way of getting one. It wasn't even in the conversation. I, I remember getting the PS2 with Gladiator on DVD. And I remember thinking, you getting that and being like, like just, it was like having the NHS jam jar specs taken off and just going, wow, that's pretty clear. Um, and, and it was. And yeah. I, and I think that if you, as always with these console, in the console market, if you can if you can weaponize your uh, opponent's lack of communication i e or well, they haven't got they haven't got a dvd drive if you can weaponize that and use it as a reason to have your system over theirs they do it every time and they certainly weaponize that dvd player i mean when i got the dreamcast i have to admit never even crossed my mind to have a dvd player and then 6 months into the dream it was just the dreamcast came out in an era where DVD wasn't even a question. Yeah. But by the time it came out, DVD was a question, and mm. PlayStation had a solution. It was in their benefit. I, yeah, I think it definitely probably w- was against them not having it um, after the PS2 launch. Shall we just segue off here and talk about when and how you pick the console up? Should we take a sweet, cherry little walk yeah, we'll, um, through the rose-tinted we'll spectacles? We'll just... Um, sort of do a bit of uh, personal history on the console. Yeah, so Tom, in the top 10 episode, I think we've danced around you getting your one secondhand from GameStop. you part of the problem. I call it GameStop. <laughs> I think it was GameStation. Game yeah. Uh, uh, so our American cousins know what we're talking about. It's yeah. the equivalent of GameSpot, Stop, whatever you want to call it, over there in the sunny US of A. And yeah. you picked up like a bundle but I it did. was a frightfully well priced bundle, if you don't mind me I mean, unbelievable so. price. For 20th, the English pounds, I got the Sega Dreamcast console, 
two controllers, a VMU memory unit, virtual tennis, Shenmue 1 boxed, uh, Metropolis Street Racer, and a uh, Rumble Pack. I mean, that is just crazy money. I mean, you rolled out there. You rolled out that day like you, Suzuki himself. I I mean, you had everything. So... I'd heard a lot of good things about it from you. You'd brought it around one day, actually, to actually, demo it. talking about this, you've just sparked something off. Last episode, I said I've never rented a game. That's not true. What have you rented? I did rent a game. One day I came round... It's not for Dreamcast. It's yeah. not that story. One day I came round to you with a copy of PlayStation... The PlayStation oh, 1. Yes. Copy of SmackDown 2. But in it... The bigger boy had snuck off to Blockbuster and got himself a copy of SmackDown Here Comes the Pain and swapped the discs. I have rented one game in my life. It's SmackDown Here Comes the Pain for you. And you put the disc in, me none the wiser, thinking I was about to play SmackDown Know Your Role or what the one, whatever one it was before it, that. It was two, actually. It was just SmackDown was two, 2 on the PS1. Um, and lo and behold... It was SmackDown, Here Comes the Pain. I, I literally managed... jumped for joy. I was like, <laughs> where did you get this from? Uh, again, it, it, it was in those days of not knowing that much about what was coming out and what was on the shelves. Um, so, yeah. Only the unofficial controller podcast could sneak a PlayStation story slap bang right in the middle of the Dreamcast feature. It's so heresy. Let, let's get back to that. So that's that housekeeping story. done. I have rented yeah. a game. Let's get that in and out. <laughs> okay. Let's part that and move on with our lives. I'm not so sheltered that I've never rented a game. I've rented a game once. So you've got this bag of goodies home for £20. Yeah. I mean, were you so holding a gun, it, Tom? It, to the counter at the time? <laughs> what? You'd think so, wouldn't you, for that price? You um, would. Yeah, you'd uh, sort of demoed the console to me and, and show me all the great... Because you had a great library of games at that point. For the uh, so yeah. probably like six months to a year afterwards I picked that up for that price unbelievable unbelievable um, took it out into the summer house and, and set it up on like an old telly we had in there that's the you see for me the best part of your Dreamcast memories are those sort of halcyon days of the sort of god rays coming in through the trees into the, the summer the wind house. chime while I'm playing Shenmue trying to go exactly. full Japanese it's immersion like Felix into Hugh, the game but- you know, ambi-like, but it's the audio version. You've actually yeah. transported yourself into Looking Rio back Zuka's now, if you, if you went and sat and watched me playing that, you'd look at the screen and go, God, that's a terrible picture. But it's um, it's amazing to think how we thought it looked then. Well, one thing I would say Are about Are we going to look Dreamcast, back at HD tellies and go, God, they look awful? Well, I was going to say, one thing I'd say about Dreamcast, out of all the consoles that came prior to it and in some cases after it because of the unique colour palette and the Sega Blue Skies theming that they put into most of their games and the slightly cartoon and stylized graphics that they utilised in a lot of their titles including Shenmue I think they've aged really really well all the games have mm. even the ones that should be sort of blocky polygon fests like Metropolis Street Racer very light on glitches graphical imperfections everything felt really solid for the first time they weren't flickering polygons it looked great yeah so I think sat- the I think the arcade style 
like the graphic style yeah. really helps a lot of those games still stand up today. Like Crazy Taxi is very colourful. Oh, God. Um, First time I got that. It's like the second game I owned for Dreamcast. It's absolutely beautiful. We are going to touch on the games shortly. So, um, yeah, that was basically my story of uh, when I picked up the console, obviously a lot later on into when it was basically a, a, a cheap uh, <laughs> second-hand uh, yeah. games I'll, device I'll, in the uh, shop. Shall like I launch that? into my... Buying of the Dreamcast. Yeah, let's hear. So that. I remember, I remember the Millennium passing, nineteen ninety nine. Everyone thought they were going to die, and <laughs> I, I think I woke up in January, in January, and I looked down at the N sixty four, and I think I've mentioned in earlier episodes towards the end of the N sixty four's life, and and earlier in this episode, I was looking for a more. I think you, the age you were and I were, the N sixty four was perfect for me, but you were looking for those more grown up titles and just it, it a become, new. Cool... I want. When I first got the N64, it was the Bigger Boys console. Yes. Towards the end of its life, it was not it the was Bigger the Boys console hid, anymore. It was in the drawers exactly. when what, they what's came that? out. Like, you still nothing. N64? No, no. So then I went... I even had Shadow Man in a desperate attempt to find some more mature content to play. Um, it's all right on the N64. It's not great. So I started to scratch my head. What's out there? What's out there? Suddenly the Dreamcast crops up, catches the corner of my eye, possibly Games Master magazine. All of a sudden, you know me, I was all in. I collected up the N64 and that massive <laughs> library, I think now. It's insane. And it used to happen every console generation. It did, didn't it? it? Like you had, you had probably like 20 games all box pristine and you're like just shipping them off down to GameStation to receive the like, new console with Like Lucas game. with Star Wars <laughs> selling it off to the slavers at Disney. You round up your perfect little babies. You put them in the back of the omnibus. You drive them down to the slaver <laughs> harbour and you sell them all. And what did yeah. I get for my Yeah, what did mint? you get for your money? So the console got traded, boxed, mint, yeah. vibration pack, expansion pack, I had loads of games, Donkey Kong 64, every game that we've talked about in this one for the N64 I had. And they're all box complete. I used to take them out of the box and put them in my little carry case and the box would just sit undisturbed in their mint condition. Vacuum sealed. And now I... Uh, I rang around seeing if I could get a deal going on and I found a crazy guy in a market town which I'd never really even considered to go to before to get this Dreamcast and I rocked up there with this great big crate and traded my life and soul and the past 10 years worth of hard-earned games sold them all up the Swanee for a Dreamcast a copy of Sonic Adventure a VMU and a demo disc Ooh. brutal <laughs> it always happens uh, and it does shocked, new console was... day especially back in the day you'd probably come home with one game yeah I was a young lad at the time I think I was 21 maybe 2021 yeah I can't do the maths I'm a, re- I'm a writer not a adder I can't even write seemingly but anyway got it home plugged it in from initially there was a bit of disappointment mainly through confusion because I hadn't had a disc based console for a while but then boom the music hit. I was in the game. Um, yeah, I'll that always... little start-up from the Dreamcast is cool, isn't it? Yeah, everything. And then yeah. I, I was then sucked into the ecosystem. And I still... Official this... Dreamcast magazine, the lot. Well, I mean, we ought to talk about that. The, In my opinion, still to this day, the greatest games magazine ever written. From, from issue zero through to when they ended, 
just that the tone was right for the time, still is now. The way it was laid out, it just felt so retro cool. I think it probably made the Nintendo One feel very kiddie. Like, well, the whole branding was on point for me. Yeah. A lot of people moan about the European Dreamcast cases. Oh, they shatter when you look at them. Yeah, they maybe <laughs> do. But when they were new, and when they're in mint condition now, that blue spine with the white writing, and the, the way that that blue logo and thing carried on across the magazine, yeah, in the swoosh on the controllers and on the console itself, in the logo startup screen. And one thing you need to remember about the, the Dreamcast and the games... The word Sega barely features on it at all. Mm. They were actually panicked that bad feeling from the Saturn and the Mega Drive Genesis add-ons uh, very... would cause people to shun the product. So they labelled yeah. it Dreamcast. I th- and I then think that's in, wise. In very small letters, Sega. Because you look at the Wii and the Wii U, they yeah. were pretty smart to, to ditch that. I know it's their company name. but I know, but imagine if it wasn't the Nintendo Switch, it was the Switch. Mm. and they were trying yeah. to make out that it was this new thing. They weren't trying to make it out, but they were certainly playing down the Sega historicals. Yeah. So I got that back, watched the demo disc. There was a rolling demo of Metropolis Street Racer. That looked incredible. I was hooked. Yeah. And like I say, the music on the Mayan ruin level of Sonic 2, uh, Sonic 1, sorry, it's like the second level. Oh, God, that means I can't get enough of it. I'll take it with me. There's something about it as well. I remember getting the demo disc. Or the demo, little T Rex demo on the PlayStation original. Yeah, this, they should do more stuff like that. Get yeah, your we hype, don't, like this we don't get it coming. anymore. This is, do what, we? this is graphically what the machine's going to be capable of in like six months' time. These well, are the I games you one, you're see. one thing I was thinking about this the other day. They had a demo disc on PlayStation One where they had a T Rex running on yeah. screen. Within six months of that demo, they had a pretty much equivalent, and it was only playing on the PSP Legend. Yeah. Anniversary, whichever anniversary. Oh, yeah. That within six months, they had a full featured game with, with a T Rex of equal yeah. graphical capability in it. Yeah. You know, and we don't, like you say, we don't see, although today we see that EA's released like a, a hair oh, yes. ray tracing that demo. That's yeah. the sort of thing we would get all the time, and we don't oh, get it anymore. The, yeah, it'd just be nice to sort of have that bundle with the new console. So we. I think we've been on a little rose-tinted journey there. Yeah. We've talked about a couple of they're, things. Uh, and we're going to go back to these memories as we go forward. But as Tom commented, everything was gathering pace up at Sega Towers. And it was time to dust off the AN2 chip to add some weight and more to the console. This really was arcade perfect, or in some cases, better in your home. As was the case with Soul Calibur, for example. Now, that's a game that actually, in the arcade, looks great. But in the transition to the Dreamcast hardware, actually got up resed. Yeah. I mean, that's something that doesn't normally happen even today. So, so that's pretty fundamental. That was um, a game I picked up after getting that initial bundle because I was uh, eventually played those three games I got to death. Uh, went and picked up Shemu 2 to finish the journey of Ryu for now. And um, then uh, went and got Soul Calibur. I was really impressed with that. Like the the 3D movement around it. It was like Tekken, but with sort of melee weapons. And I just, I just think from the get-go that was quite a slick-looking game. Yeah. The idea and the the whole sort of ethos behind it. It's gone it on to spawn cool. quite a few sequels as well. Yes, so it has. Popular title. So, Tom, 
we find ourselves here on the iconic date of nine nine ninety nine. Here we are in the good old US of A, and a lot of people, similarly like myself at the time, were looking for something, as we said, edgy and cool. Well, guess what? That cool dude from the 90s is back, Sega. <laughs> and guess, he's looking, for once in a while, it's been a while, <laughs> he's looking cool again. And as we said before, we'd pass that initial awkward 3D phase and things were starting to refine on the N64 and the PS1 just couldn't cut it. Um, Tom, Pez 3.5 chimes in. Uh, he's got a memory here, which I thought was a poignant place to put it. Um, I was pretty young, so it was my brother's. I do remember getting Rayman 2 for it, though, and being amazed at how good the 3D design was compared to the PS1. Now, that's something we need to we need to just... People look back and they, they see the, the Dreamcast. Yeah. As the Dreamcast rightful it, place is against the PS2 yeah. and the Xbox original. Yeah. But it actually came out in the latter days of the PlayStation mm. 1. And, and it's, it was, it's double power. Of, and honestly, it was like night and day. I yeah. had people telling me, oh, it's better on PlayStation. Then you see the, the Dreamcast version. Nonsense. It, it made the yeah. PlayStation 4 Pro or the Xbox One vanilla to the Xbox One X argument completely nondescript. Yeah. This thing was blowing the doors yeah. off of the PlayStation. And it, I think it was only the, the hardcore fanatics that wouldn't agree that the Dreamcast certainly looked a million dollars. So Pez has chimed in there. Yeah, that. thanks for that feedback. So, so as we um, mentioned earlier, it's nine nine ninety nine. Launch day, then Tom. Do you want to go through that mix and tell yeah. us what you'd pick up if it was uh, launch day again tomorrow? So these were the original launch titles. We've got Aero Wings, Air Force Delta, Blue Stinger. Which just let's quickly go off here. I originally <laughs> was going to buy a Dreamcast at launch. Uh, a shared gift between me and my brother for for um, one of our birthdays, I believe, and that was the title that I was looking at getting. But Blue Stinger, um, obviously, and to be honest, a game of its time. Did you ever play it? I think I played a demo. I right. think that it's a game of its time from memory, yeah. and I should have done a little bit more research on Blue Stinger. But from memory, it's kind of like a Resident Evil game. Um, Fixed camera perspective. Yes. If you walked yeah. around, I think that's what initially drew me to it. I was like, oh, that looks like Resident Evil. Um, but moving on... Well, you've grown up, so, yeah. you know, what's next on that list? Uh, cart Flag to Flag, um, Expendable, The House of the Dead 2. I imagine which... that as a launch title with two guns. Brilliant fun. Like, that is an arcade machine. In, in a way, I wish I'd been older when that Dreamcast had launched, because mm. I think I'd have got way more integrated than I did. Yeah. I kind of... I was like a... I was like a little toddler at the beach dipping my toe in the water. It was cold, <laughs> and it was a strange experience, but it was an enjoyable one. And yeah. I should have dived in from the start. I shouldn't have just played on the edge. Absolutely. Um, Hydro Thunder. Great launch game, that. Monaco Grand Prix. Mm. Uh, Mortal Kombat Gold. NFL 2K. NFL Blitz 2000. Pen Pen Tri... How do we say that? Tri- Trisalon. Trisalon. Uh, Power Stone, Ready to Rumble Boxing, Sonic Adventure. That was my uh, mummy, mummy, please may I. You're only having one. You're only having one at Sonic Uh, Adventure. Soul Calibur, TNN Motorsports Hardcore Heat, and Tokyo Extreme Racer. And And finishing off with Trick Style. Trick Style. I mean, that's that's covering 
so many genres of games there. What would they you were really say, well. I've said to you, in real life, I took home, or although it was in the launch window, it wasn't on launch, I took home Sonic Adventure. Yeah. As a grown-up looking through the lens of those games today, I'd probably get House of the Dead 2, and I'd probably also pick up NFL 2K. As we mentioned before, The Spawn is such a great 2K series... And that game was playable online in America. Yeah. And I think that helped sell gangbuster numbers. Mm-hmm. It's a shame that knowing what we know now, and DVDs come and gone, it was like a 10-year fad. Not a fad, you know, it became the norm of yeah, the way it was to the VHS media. For and then Blu-ray years. usurped that, and then 4K, and now we're into streaming and all that jazz. And through the medium of time, the only thing that matters out of all of that is online play. Yeah, we ignored it in the Dreamcast because we all needed that DVD player, yeah. and yet the only thing that's really changed gaming, and not just to bolt on a disc or a mm. way of viewing a movie, yeah. the only thing that's actually changed gaming, more to my chagrin, is online. Yeah, it's mad. I always forget that it had online capabilities. You were like, Mr. No, no, I want Gladiator in crystal yeah. clear on my 14-inch CRT. I don't want to play with strangers. You couldn't even comprehend the idea. And now you're in an Overwatch clan. You've got yeah. Overwatch tattoos. You've got <laughs> Overwatch shaved into your hair. Um, you've, you're going to name one of your pets Baptiste. <laughs> you know, where the does Haitian. it stop? Um, yeah, I've, we are going to touch shortly on the online um, yeah. and sort of a few stories from that. But um, going back to the launch, uh, Gaz Love, Loves Games got in touch. Uh, Good old Gaz Loves Games um, over there on YouTube and Insta. He uh, he said he really wished he had a Dreamcast uh, at launch and uh, sees it as an unfulfilled dream. Well, luckily with the help of this feature, Gaz can go back purchase a Dreamcast with our unique buying guide and get on board, have that launch experience. He definitely should. Or for himself. He definitely should. So here we are. Let's talk the Dreamcast USPs and industry first. And by crikey, this console, it certainly shone a light at the front like a Pathfinder. The VMU for one. Great idea for a memory card that could play simple games on the go. Now, did you know that you could plug two VMUs together to exchange saves, but also in like a Chow Garden game, for instance, you could battle each other in that way. I didn't know that. Yeah, so, Um, you know, almost you've collected your stuff up, you can make the two consoles together, the two little VMUs together, and then you can interact with each other through I just used to, when I picked up that console with a VMU, um, and I played Shenmue, and it just had the little Shenmue logo on it, I thought, that's cool. It just makes the controller feel a bit more like... Wii U style. Yeah. Had a screen in the console yeah. in 1999, bring it. Yep. Uh, Breaking barriers all And I, I um, well, I'm going to chime in with the memory here. I remember when I got that little Dreamcast set up, and I had Sonic Adventure, and I'd got my VMU that I traded probably 20... N64 games for. I uh, downloaded a chow from the chow garden, took it to work, Tom. That's right. Took the chow to work. It was Con- like a switch. Confused everybody. No one knew what it was. <laughs> and that's a similar story here. Now, Oscar had a, D- uh, had a Dreamcast and a VMU, and he got in touch just like you should. And he said, I felt like a king when I took my VMU to school and played chow adventures. It was a lot of fun, and no one knew what it was. 
Stoked Finding Power Stone 1 and 2, which are still in his top five favourite games ever. Nothing quite like them, and they really showcase the DC's power. Then, Crazy Taxi. I mean, come on. Who didn't love Crazy Taxi? Oscat's got some solid points there. Much yeah, like myself. For, uh, confusing the locals with his magic, taking his VMU in, confusing the medieval yeah. types. What what's this gizmo you've Is got? Is that a Tamagotchi? Sir? Is that a Tamagotchi? <laughs> Looks very similar to a Tamagotchi. <laughs> Unfortunately, went through batteries a million times quicker than a Tamagotchi. What sort of battery with it? Like CR two oh three two, my friend. Wow, precise. Got that tattooed on my eyelids. <laughs> <laughs> I also had shares in Duracell at the time because my crikey. You see, now you can get CR2032s in battery packs from Poundland. You get like a million batteries <laughs> for a pound. But at the time, the CR2032, at least around my way, was almost like a hen's tooth, a unicorn's tear. These things were like £6 a pop and they seemed to last no longer than a week. And if you want to... If you want to use utilize that VMU and take the chow to work, I might even blow out your CR two oh three twos in an hour. Wow. Brutal. They didn't learn much from the game gear then. <laughs> <laughs> Probably utilizing all the technological advances <laughs> of the game gear in the VMU's power department. Tom, you slide the VMU in the top of it, but tell me about that pad. Yeah, so we actually had uh, analog um triggers on the pad. Wow. Uh, which was really cool. For um, I think the first time I realised how good they were was playing Metropolis Street Racer and just feathering that brake around the corner, trying to get yeah. that quicker time on the uh, on the course. Um, You're going to get me every just, time with Metropolis Street Racer, dude. I love that game. I mean, that's gone on to be used in every racing game pretty much, hasn't it? Unless you've got yourself a wheel and then you just pretty flash. There's a lot of firsts and things done on the Dreamcast that found their way across the whole of the gaming pantheon. QTEs. I seem to remember. So they were using the triggers for Metropolis Street Racer. Yeah. Yeah, over on the PlayStation, you were playing Gran Turismo. We're still pressing X to go. I know we were, yeah. Scary, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so other things I remember about the pad, the lead was a bit short. So and I do you believe remember you've the way... got a lead extension for yours. Yeah, now here's a modern tip. If you're playing Dreamcast in the modern era... You're going to want an extension. We don't play two feet away from a 14-inch portable anymore. We sit back eight foot, six foot, whatever it is, on a couch. Yeah. So the Dreamcast needs a cable extender to make that experience enjoyable in the modern it day. It does, yeah. You want to use the right pad. I think some of these it, wireless options are a bit poop. It might feel a bit strange to some people picking it up now with the just the one analog stick um, for certain games. But I, I would time, say it, the games that right. utilised... The analog stick and then the sort of the other buttons for movement within the world are aping much like the trying PSP to do a dual analog. To ape a dual analog. Yeah. Those games have aged the worst. Yes. The games yeah. that utilise what's good about the DC pad have aged the best. Yeah. I remember the DS having a similar problem of having that like It did. And they um, brought that little nub out, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Um sorry, I'm thinking three DS as well. Um, but yeah, it, it might. Do you know the history? Now. Do you know the history of the pad? I don't know. Wind your clock back to the Saturn. Nights into Dreams came out with this yeah. really nice analog. They called oh, it the analog three D yeah. pad, which, yeah. for all intents and purposes, we didn't know it at the time. Was it's basically early, a black version yeah. of the Dreamcast pad. I do. I've seen that in several um, 
retro game stores, yeah. Um, and that kind of filters us down to the usurper, the one, the only, the alternate USP of the Sega Dreamcast. As we mentioned online. before, online, the thing that should have mattered most when we look back through the lens of gaming, because let's face it, if there's one thing that certainly manifested itself across the era of all pantheons of modern gaming, Tom, it has to be that online. Massive. Really. So, did you ever... I, d- I didn't hook mine up online, because, again, even when I got it, I wasn't playing online games. The, the idea of going online was yeah. a little bit alien. That's somewhere Daddy went, but we weren't allowed on there, were we? Wasn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, let me tell you, there I was. Now, I was a young lad, disposable income, wind in my hair, I had hair, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> little, little old me wanted a piece of this online action obviously a rabid devourer of uh, dreamcast magazine i'd been force-fed full-on sega propaganda all the way from the high tower in japan i had devoured it like a Farguar goose goose and now i wanted my dreamcast online and the only title to go online with was fantasy star online i bought it i raced home i fumbled around behind the phone scrabbling <laughs> at the bt plug swapping wires generally confused this it was is back in the day where you'd not have the phone on, though. That's it. If you were online. I'm on dial-up. So Don't call me. I'll on. call you. Yeah. I'm busy. So I boot it up. Now, I do believe I even bought myself Dreamcast keyboard. Just to make just to make that communication a little bit easier. I'm giving him the universal signal of Tom, the glasses push up the nose. A man that's only lived in the era of the headset. <laughs> I imagine trying to type through the on-screen keyboard, hey, follow me over here, look at this. You might be a while. Yeah. You need the keyboard. <laughs> Unless so you're you a typist, you're going to struggle. Drop those eyebrows down. It was a perfectly reasonable thing to pick up. <laughs> so I get home and, you know, it, it was... In fact, looking back at it, it might have been my first exposure to the Fantasy Star uh, family. So I was learning as I went. Yeah. Uh, great intro, great graphics for the time. And then it was, you create this creature, and I think there was a robot class that I created mine for. Give him a name, D95, I remember it now. And, and I was thrown out there in the wilds of the internet. Now, I, I tell you now, when you met people in that game... And you typed, are you real? And someone comes back with either a motorcon or... And they had emoticons in that game because they knew not many people would have the, the yeah. keyboard. We'd come back with the thumbs up. I can't remember why, but I, I seem to think the emoticons were chicken-themed. I think this is the pinnacle of online gaming for you, isn't it? And then you went all old Ben Honestly, in Tatooine. I, yeah, I don't want to play online anymore. <laughs> I used to play... I used to meet up with this guy. Now, I think... I hope he's listening... I really do. Chances are going to be very slim. <laughs> but if anyone knows anyone that knows this guy, he's an Irish guy, he used to play and his username in Fantasy Star Online. Now this, unlike me, this is not something you would normally reveal in polite company. But hey, I'm on a podcast revealing it to the millions of the fans. Uh, I used to play with this guy called Nosferatu. Now, no. No. I've got that wrong. His name was Uta Revson. But it was actually Nosferatu, the Dracula, in reverse. Oh, okay. Very cool guy. And me and him went on endless missions, talked for hours till God knows what time in the morning. 
I had a job. I don't know how I functioned the next day. <laughs> but, you know, I poured hours into this. Hours yeah. and hours and hours. And I think I even picked up, it was towards the end of the Dreamcast Life, so it's a bit hazy, and I probably didn't play it as much. But I picked up Fantasy Star Online 2 in the UK as well. Mm-hmm. Great game. And as you say, for me, probably the pinnacle. Probably the pinnacle so, of online play. Now, we think the DC uh, is 20 years old and it's dead. Well, no. It's still having games made for it and still being supported, not by Sega, but by a fan community. That's right. And it's much more over on Instagram and YouTube. Now, he's a big supporter of all things retro, but he's a very big fan of the Dreamcast. And we're going to launch into his comment here, or his questions and thoughts. But before we do... I think that as a member of the unofficial controller community, if you're sat here and you're scratching your head and you're thinking, how can I get online now and how can I do this, that and the other, don't call us. Reach out to It's Much More on Instagram and YouTube. And he's come in with this. Looking forward to the DC show, guys. Well, thank you. We hope that uh, it lives up to your high expectations. Dreamcast is still making memories today. I still have the footage of the final day Sega turned off the F355 challenge servers as I took part in the last race. The message thanked us for the support and then we were all disconnected. Now that's a special moment, isn't it? Yeah. Being there on the close of the F355. and continues to go on to say how he has a letter from Sega uh, saying they would name a character in the House of Dead after him. And goes on to mention the community every Sunday, and that's the Dreamcast community, and this is why I implore you to get in touch with them if you want to revive your love for the Dreamcast, gets together every Sunday, 8pm, to game online, and get in touch with them on Insta to find out more. Um, that's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, very, very Thanks cool. For that. The, fact that um, the, the fact that games are still being made for about it. That. Yeah, the fact that games are still being made for it is amazing. The fact that you can still go online with Fantasy Star Online if you are so passionately involved, I think there's a couple of solutions. Either you buy the broadband adapter, which is the aforementioned Unicorn's Tears, or you can go down like a Raspberry Pi route, which sounds way more technological than I can deal with. But It's Much More was willing to talk me through the process. So I'm sure he'll be willing to talk you through the process too. Yeah. So we've reached that, that point again, Tom. You're at a cocktail party and the guy there says he loves Dreamcast. Well, oh, really? really? Yeah. Let's give you our top five and some honourable mentions to make sure you can hold your head above water at that cocktail party. Tom, you got one throw in the bucket. What are you chucking in? We're going to do this as a one because it's kind oh, of a... I see. It's kind of like a book, here. isn't it? Shenmue 1 and 2, what can you say? Developed by Sega and Yu Suzuki, released uh, 99 and uh, 2001, respectively. Um We've touched on these in our top 10 games. We have. Time, I mean, we? let's just take a couple of minutes. At the time, it was like nothing else you'd ever seen. The level of interactivity in the game, the ability to speak to all those people, the sort of the story, which has elements of fantasy in it, but not on initial mm. first run. Yeah. Set in it slowly builds it Japan, up, doesn't it? You get home one day, find the gate kicked in. Don't you? Strange. The bigger What's boys this? have been round. And bigger boys been round in the black car. Dad. Well, you don't know. You bimble into the dojo. You see Daddy there with a guy in a dress with a dragon on it, not looking too happy with each other. No. You bimble in. 
Awkward moment. <laughs> a little bit like Hot Rod in the Transformers. You get held hostage while your dad gets throat punched to death. The mirror, Brutal. The mirror is taken. You did not get experiences like that on the N64. That is a quality reason why I left Perfect Dark standing there in the sun. I wasn't interested. I had Shenmue. Um, so we, it, we don't want to... The second one came out, and I do remember my, my mate picking it up, who was a big Dreamcast fan, and him saying, it's all in Japanese. So they didn't have English dubbed voices. But we in, were lucky enough, lucky enough to get it. They didn't get yeah, to. They didn't yeah. get to in America. Did they not? No, nothing. If they, had to, if they wanted to play it, they had to get a copy of the it, European it, version yeah. and then do the whole lid trick to make it work. Uh, next in that list, Tom, because I think people know full well about Shenmue, but here's a title they we've talked about on the show before, but one that's probably slipped under their radar. Metropolis Street Racer by Bizarre Creations, released 3rd of November 2000. Once again, like an eager puppy, I was there at launch. You... Must have picked that up because you came around to mine for fireworks night, didn't you? Bomb, uh, yeah, with bomb it. Fire night in this. Or was I telling you about? You it? You were telling me all about it, and that I should get a Dreamcast Love and the real time clock. And, oh God! Yeah. Tom. Even now, when I I'm when there, I when boy, I sit now, I like play. playing as Link. It's bigger boys' games. Yes. Even now, when I sit down and play it, I always remember that feeling of. I know you weren't driving around London in the car. <laughs> But right, but like you'd you never were. had a game before where you felt like you were playing through a device and remotely controlling something in that place. That's how it felt. We'd never had an in-game clock before. We'd certainly not had one that utilised, you know, the whole twenty-four-hour date time format to enable you to be different time in San Francisco to Tokyo to London. The in-game radio, the the almost arcade handling of the cars where it wasn't it yeah. touched it was a bit more sim. forgiving wasn't it it did when you it, compared it to uh, Gran Turismo exactly but it was it was deep enough where you could get really nuanced with it and you could be doing time trials with a friend and battling off 0.1 of a second to improve so that's what I mean I think yeah we that spawned our sort of love for bizarre creations get, yeah, racing games definitely uh, still to to this day, it rolled with, us uh, into Project Gotham and then all the way yeah. until that franchise got kicked to death. Yeah. Um, we talked about it earlier in the show, but Soul Calibur. Developed by Namco and Project Soul, uh, that was released in 98. Um, obviously a launch title. Great arcade game, great launch title. Yeah, I still play that occasionally to this ne- day. Next, next up is the second game I ever owned on Dreamcast. Oh, really? Yeah. Crazy Taxi. Developed by Sega and released February 1999. I actually believe that I kind of like got through January and was like, oh, Sonic Adventures, this it. Have I traded all those games? Mm. And then lands on the doorstep, official Dreamcast magazine. Crazy Taxi. Oh my goodness, what's this? I couldn't get it bought quick enough, could I? That game at the time, think about it. We were miles away from Grand Theft Auto 3. Yeah. At that point, there was a game where you could drive around a whole city with traffic with buildings, with people, way before that game was incredible. The music, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, really good. You know, the whole, the way you interacted in the town, the fun of it, the Sega yeah. Blue Skies, everything about that game. And It, it was really so, popped off screen, didn't it? It was so fresh to see it. And yeah. the textures, we'd been used to seeing like simple coloured textures on N64 and PlayStation. All of a sudden this thing was Literally yeah. alive. There was no need to hide, much like the 360 and PS3 
did a lot of brown graphics. Yeah. I think the PlayStation one's quite guilty of doing some very grey, black mm-hmm. and brown graphics. As soon as the Dreamcast popped, boom. Yeah. There was colour everywhere. I think that goes to say a lot about Sega in general, about you can tell a Sega game. I don't know whether that holds true today, but you look at... Well, they've moved moved the country mile away from the kind of games they were doing. They're not arcade-based anymore, but if they were doing arcade ports, they'd have a blue sky in it, wouldn't it? It would. Uh, So that's Soul Calibur. We've talked Crazy Taxi. We've already talked Sonic Adventure. I think I've probably already cried a river over that. Um, Honourable mentions, Tom. Do you want to chuck some out? Yeah, so we've got Skies of Arcadia. Um, Great game. Can't say enough about that. I didn't own that one myself, but you did. uh, Did you play it on Cube? No, I didn't. Uh, I think my brother played it through on Cube and said it was really good. Fantastic Um, game. Virtua Tennis? Now, this this was, I suppose, one of my launch (laughs) titles. But it wasn't the first time I played it. So on a holiday to Spain, um, we walked into this arcade. And, oh. uh, and and there's virtual tennis. And I remember um, our cousin getting very hooked on this game and saying <laughs> it was going to take Tim Tim Henman all the way to the final at Wimbledon. I bet he did, and, though, uh, and, and putting the coins in, he, he, I think he managed to pull that off. And then we played a few well two-player games. And it was just so... It was like Pong, but... Mate, you what, when that guy sets his mind to something, cousin... He pulls it through. He does. <laughs> I'm taking Tim Hemman all the way. He only did it. He, he did. He went and did it. Um, so I was quite surprised and, well, pleasantly surprised to see it uh, on the Dreamcast and thought, well, I'll definitely pick that up. It's like having it at home. Yeah. Well, once saving, again, putting the pennies in. The, the sort of downgrade from the arcade to the Dreamcast was minimal, if, yeah. if at all. Yeah. Uh, so virtual what tennis. What 18-wheeler, again, a variation on the crazy taxi theme, but I actually think it plays out. So was it a case of getting from point A to B to get the delivery done? Or? Yeah, that's yeah. right. And a little bit like Outrun, you, right. if you didn't have enough time because you didn't hit the checkpoint, yeah. you didn't grind, you kind of ground, ground to a halt okay. before you could get all the way. That looks great. There's lots of like swinging bits. I think there's a bit where a tornado cuts through Midwest America. Oh, right, cool. You sort of dodge around that. There's just some really cool sections. And you go basically from one side of America to another with a truck hauling different loads. Very cool. I think if I remember rightly, when you're on the interior view, there's like a swinging air freshener and things on the dash that sort of slide about. Again, we'd never seen anything like that at the time. Yeah, nice details. Um, We touched on them before. Oscat did, certainly. Power Stone 1 and 2. Again. So were were these like a Super Smash Brothers? It'd be right up your street. It's exactly what it was like. Okay, I think... Power Stone 1, for me, had the better multiplayer. Power Stone 2 did introduce two other characters, so you could have right. four-way. But much yeah. like I find with Smash now, there's way too much going on on the screen when there's four. It's absolute chaos. It is difficult sometimes. And in Power Stone, yeah. you've got weapons, there's throwables, there's actual attacks that you can do on each other. When there's four people in a multi-layered, isometric level. I think with those sorts of games, going back to Smash the best times I've had with them are with a, a bigger group of people, but you're each battling 1v1 and then it's pass on to the winner. Yeah. Whereas the 4x4, four four, the, well, the four-way battles are just a bit sort crazy. Of had that family fun environment more than two. Uh, although two could entertain more kids on the console. Yeah. It, it was that whole chaos thing again. Oh, we the, mustn't forget, what? Four controller ports. Four controller ports. Right on the front, the slap bang wall of yeah. all consoles in out got four players. So this, following on from then sixty four, um, 
How yeah. can you be a multiplayer machine without four ports on the Exactly. Front? House of the Dead 2, a great arcade shooter and one that I played the wheels yeah. off of on Dreamcast. Another um, arcade game converted for console. Fantastic. Sega Bass Fishing. I don't know if you had that, but I did. I had the unofficial controller because I don't think there was an official <laughs> controller launched in the UK. I had the Mad Cats. And it was a pretty good rod, yeah. but it had this unique feature where when you had a fish on Turbo reel? <laughs> kind of. It bent the rod a little bit. Okay. It had a little motor that pulled down to bend the rod when you had a fish on. Uh, Ultra realism. Since then, I've acquired the more traditional official, unofficial controller. Yeah. Um, that game still plays great. Uh, you can also use the controller in um, Soul Calibur if you mm-hmm. waggle it. But that's that's one for the fanboys. And one to finish off with, and before we do, just a couple accessories for the Dreamcast. I think you can get a camera from memory, and I also think you can get a microphone, which works perfectly with the next game, which didn't get a UK power release, but you can get it now reprinted uh, or re-imaged in PAL. Seaman. <laughs> that wasn't a misstep, and it wasn't a sailor's reference from Shenmue. It's <laughs> the name of a very strange-looking... Fish that say you with like a human head develop with a human head that you build a relationship with over a period of time. It's a game that intrigued me at the time. Technological advances and all that made me go, "Oh wow!" It's but, like owning real life oh, virtual sea monkeys. Maybe well, I don't know. <laughs> Seamen could be very mysterious. Oh, okay. A very strange. Game. That was a game for the bigger boys when uh, I was so, playing. We've talked about the games that you want. We've talked about the console. Pick up the console. Pick up the games that we mentioned. If you've got a little bit of money left over from Mumsy, grab a couple of those honourable mentions. Also grab a VMU, a Rumble Pack. We'd recommend to use at least an RGB SCART cable, although obviously this thing's playable through RF, which is straight out of the box. It yep. doesn't cost that much money. I use an RGB SCART for mine, although I've recently upgraded my TV. So I now need to get myself a SCART to HDMI adapter or possibly go down that other route. And there's, I say that because there's, a, there's a, a, quite a few uh, breakout boxes that go from VGA, then VGA to HDMI, or there's some sort of solder boards that you can put in the Dreamcast to go HDMI on the way out. Good thing about the Dreamcast, guys, and what makes it a joy to play in this modern age is out the box it was 480p. Once again, Tom. That's Sega. equivalent to the Wii. It is equivalent to the Wii. They've got their hand to their forehead. They're looking forward into the future. The only people that aren't doing it? The rest of the universe. Let me put it to you, Tom. The Dreamcast. It's at the big table, round the hors d'oeuvres, with Alan Wake. We don't understand it, but it had an intelligent and interesting take on the sixth generation of gaming. Yeah, we I mean, we need to we need to just do we recommend this game this console wholeheartedly? Yeah, absolutely, I would say. you need. It to is play the forward thinking console. You'll look at so many features there and not even realise they were the first to do that. Absolutely, and some of those games, which fortunately, if you don't want to go down the route of wrapping yourself up in a Dreamcast, Bar Metropolis Street Racer, I would say most of those have been available on other consoles since. Tom, on the last history feature, we did the N64. We've done the Dreamcast. Next time we do a retrospective, we're going to throw these names up on a leaderboard. 
the ultimate retro console. Are you looking forward to that ding-dong round, Tom? I am. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're interested in making like a bit of a ranking system for all these um, history ofs that we're going to do. Yeah. Um, I think once we've done 10 history ofs, we could maybe have a ranking of episode. Yeah. And we could slug it out to define yeah. their place on our leaderboard, ranging from the depths of the lair pit to the Palacios of, I don't know, Mumsy's favourite shelf where she puts all our best drawings. Tom, the big man's been making house calls again. He's topped up. He's been around more M1 service stations this week <laughs> than a lorry driver with a penchant for an overnight stay, no questions <laughs> asked. He has. Um, so, where's his first um, visit took him to? Oh my goodness gracious me. Oscat, I know everyone has three mortgages these days, but you need to steady on. <laughs> He's gone and picked himself up what he, looks like a copy of Mario Kart 8 for the Switch. I see he, he's also got All-Star Fruit Racing. And he's swung in and got himself a copy of Team Sonic Racing. Yeah, the new release. Um, it's not meant to be uh, bad, actually. Uh, sort of um, very similar to Mario Kart, but uh, obviously with the, the Sonic cast of characters. Um, and he, he, he's currently at 98 Switch titles. Holy hell, Oscat. You know, wow. at any point in time, you can slow down Great and collection. eat. He Great can eat, can't yeah. he? Surely food's an option for Oscat. No. Got to get another game, George. You don't understand. I've got to be on listener's Stingray. Um, uh, buy me, buy yeah. my Pixel. Yeah, they've, been, uh, they've got themselves a, a Big Bang Theory Lego set. Now, what we must say is, listener's Stingray, if you want to join us on this expedition, Tom, yeah. they need to head over to Instagram. They need to go into the search tags function, hashtag Stingray's boot. Not only can you browse through with us as we are right now, but listener, next time you get a pickup, snap a picture of it. Yeah. Slap it on Instagram, tag, hashtag Stingray's boot. Let us know the big man's come a call in and we'll give them a shout out. Tom, Bite My Pixels picked up some stuff. Yeah. He's uh, had a good day out. He's got he? some uh, Mario and Sonic plush in there as well. He has. I always find the Mario plushies look like they're not genuine, even when they are. <laughs> they look like they've come off those crane grab machines at they the seaside. Do. The ones at Cleethorpes that it's not Mario, you know it's not. It's his, it's his yeah. deformed cousin they keep in, in the cellar. So, um, yeah, they've got a, a selection of PlayStation 2, a yeah, uh, couple of PS3 games in there, a uh, PlayStation 1 game. They've got Blur as well, talking yeah. about Bizarre Creations. Was that their last game? Uh, it might have been. Yeah, neatly yeah. segued. Yeah. See what I did? Encyclopedic uh, Knowledge of Games. Got a copy got, of Exhumed as well. The, they've the got um, original Egyptian Metal Doom. Gear Solid. Mace Griffin Bounty Hunter. Um, we've got the original Tomb Raider. Hitman Blood Money. Uh, Harry Potter and the Chamber of hey, Secrets. i tell you what. You know Oscat gone and grabbed himself a copy of Team Sonic Racing. Someone else has. Retro Gamer Thomas. Has He's only picked gone it up on PS4, though. Oh, uh, well, is the cross-platform so. cross play? Ah, that'd be interesting to know. Oz a Sony... Uh, well, why don't Ozcat and Retro Gamer Thomas let us know if that's feasible? Yeah. Retro uh, Gamer Thomas. He's been and put himself a copy of Days Gone. And to cool off, he's slugging her beer ski. Steve Weister. 
out of a Pac-Man glass. <laughs> yeah. One of those iced glasses as well. That's very cool. Uh, Retro Dude, 88. He's been uh, picking up on a bit of a Game Boy spree and DS. He's got um, more Game Boys there than he's got fingers. He has, yeah. We've got some Game Boy Colours, Game Boy Advance, original Game Boy. Good job. i tell you what, good job Retro Dude 88's from Florida because you couldn't say that to someone from our fine county, could you? No, you could not. He's got more fingers than games. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got Welsh Game Hunter. Uh, he's picked himself up a PlayStation Classic, which I believe is... £30 at the moment. That's cheap. £30 in Argos. That is cheap. Um, So, yeah, well worth uh, picking up, I think, for that price. He's got Mega Games 1 on the the Sega Mega Drive. I always remember that being good. It's a good selection. He's got uh, Corporation as well. uh, I don't think that'll have aged well, but at the time, I had... I had a demo for that on Atari ST. It was a very. He's got himself time. a few Blu-rays there. He Hulk, has. I'll Hulk tell you what. And Lethal Weapon. He's. 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 I tell you, they're classic Stingray's boot titles. Hook. Yeah. Ghost Rider. <laughs> and Lethal Weapon. Hey, I've also a great night of viewing lined up there. He's also got Black Luke from Return of the Jedi, and he's got himself uh, Empire Strikes Back, Hoth Han, the Kenner originals, uh, Welsh Game Hunter. Pretty good pickup she got there, my friend. Uh, we've got Daddy Zilla 80. He's, he's not Radadad Gamer. No. Um, <laughs> uh, Apologies, yeah. Radadad. What did I call him? Radadadadad. Yeah. He's actually called Raddad Gamer. Rad Dad Gamer. You see, you say it slow, it makes sense. It when does. I see it on the paper, it's Radadadadad Gamer. <laughs> uh, so we've got Daddy Zilla 80. He's uh, cooking up. Some uh, games and consoles on top like of the cooker there. there. He's got them on the cooker. Yeah, be Looks careful. Like make a... sure that uh, mains plug isn't on. Well, make sure um, his, his kid's head's further away from it. You want to fry the back of his kid's skull. Yep. Uh, he's got a Hello GameCube. to you, young man, if you're listening in with Daddy yeah. Zilla, who presumably is your daddy, a.k.a. the name. Uh, yeah, he's got a GameCube uh, selection of uh, some SNES games there as well. Um, N64. There's a very unofficial-looking controller in there. Correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong, but we like the look of that. We love that sort of stuff. Um, who else we got, George? Oh, Tom, let's not forget the show's stepfather, as we've now adopted him <laughs> to be, Chris McClum. <laughs> He's out there in the wilds, ferreting around like a bloodhound for retro, his nose pressed to the floor, his missus pulling at his shirt, trying to hold him back when he's hunting around the charity shops and the boot sales, knocking people out of the way with his tail wagging like an eager dog. He's got himself a games station, a games organisation device by the mighty Logic 3. <laughs> now, I, I, we I are happen... fans of Logic 3. Yes, well, I happen to follow Chris, and I do believe I've also seen... He already owns another game station, so he's got the most organised game station area you could possibly imagine. You need a draw for your games? Get the game station by Logic 3. He's also got himself a uh, Technics cassette deck as well there. This guy, he's living at the absolute upper end of audio quality. Chris McClum lives. If digital technology ever goes down, he's the man to go see. Dolby Digital Metal Correction Tape Facility available here. Chris McClum. Uh, I'll chuck this out there. Uh, Rad Dad Gamer UK, um, because that's how we say it. Okay. Uh, he's picked up Clay Fighter on the SNES. That's great. Some great artwork on that That's box. That's great. Yeah. Um, and then we'll just quickly fire through Sharaban's 
seemingly collected every Gran Turismo variant you could possibly imagine. He's also got himself a really cool um, Tetris clock where the numbers fall down and make the, uh, yeah. the, the squares fall down That's and make cool. the numbers and various Tetris games. Daddyzilla80 has Again, picked up yeah. some PlayStation games, Rocksmith on the 360. Um, NBA on the N64. SpongeBob Plush. Um, the Barber Who Games. Presumably that's the man who cuts hair and plays video games. Hopefully, listeners not at the same time. But maybe if he does them both and performs them to a high standard, that would be something to witness. He's got himself a copy of Ogre Battle 64, obviously on the N64. Silent Hill 3 on the PlayStation 2, good pickup. In, in in lieu of Mario Maker, he's gone and got himself a rather shaky-looking copy of RPG Maker 3 on the PlayStation <laughs> 2 by Stingray Studios. A uh, couple more Silent Hill bits and bobs. Uh, well done to him for ratcheting up there and going for Silent Hill. Uh, and a new pickup for Generation Collector. He's got himself a, an early DS there. And I suppose one last shout-out for Sharaban as we shuffle towards our own uh, new release highlights. He's seemingly got a thousand followers and he's arranged his Neo Geo cart pickup boxes in the shape of the number one, in the shape of the letter K. That's cool, isn't it? Very cool. Congrats on uh, getting to uh, a thousand followers as well. Can't thank him enough. Good job. He's been very good for us out there in the uh, in the world of things. Tom. Get your head down. I've heard a rustle. Now Stingray, angry from the loss of his girlfriend to Brian, the night barman in the wagon and horses. (laughs) Sneaky Brian. He's furious. We don't like him, do we? His faux orange traffic light air freshener fell down, heading over at high speed, the level crossing near the back of the village. He's furious. And that anger is directed at the drive. He tears, Tom. He tears. Clean up the drive. Pebbles everywhere. He pulls to a stop. Out the door. Boot pop. Tom, make sure you put on some hypodermic gloves. Stingray's looking angry. You don't want skin-on-skin contact with the big man. No. Ladies and gentlemen. I heard even Ross Kemp's scared of him. (laughs) Ross Kemp won't look him in the eye. He won't. He knows this. Much like a snake, Ross Kemp's got that inbuilt reptile brain. He just knows not to mess with Stingray. He's got that wild <laughs> thousand-dial stare. And Stingray's got those strange blue eyes, you know, like a wild dog. Yeah. That just makes you a little cautious. Yeah. With his, with his blonde mullet and Paul, Coff, Paul Carf-like moustache, <laughs> Stingray's not a guy you want to mess with. He's the sort of guy, if you challenge him to throw a shoe over a pub... He will. He'd lodge it in the pub in the next village. (laughs) Time for a peek in what we affectionately call Stingray's boot. What's nestled between some counterfeit nappies and a dodgy copy of Battle for Endor this week? Did it again. Two in the bag. So these are the new release highlights for the week, May 20th to May the 26th, 2019. Listeners, these are out on digital or physical or will be by the time this podcast is in your region, but could be in your feed, but could be region dependent. You see... I'm always going to fall somewhere. Beginning, middle, <laughs> that's or a end. Lot of, that's a lot of reading. Listeners, have a little straw poll. When, where and how do I fall over my lips? Luckily through the do you want me of... to take the first releases to give you a moment to recover? 
so I can reattach my yes. face. Yes, yes certainly do. Uh, so we've got Amer- American Fiance straight away on it. American uh, Fugitive, PC, PS4, May 21st, stumbling out on Switch, May 23rd, and as always, rumbling, for no apparent reason, last onto the Xbox, yeah. May 24th. So American Fugitive... Can is we just mod- say, let's announce it here, Tom, got to interrupt you, exclusive. Exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a a couple of days exclusive for the PC and PS4 there. Um, American Fugitive (laughs) is a modern take on a classic sandbox action action offering a new 3D top-down open-world single-player experience. Welcome to Red Rock County, a sleepy American town with a booming criminal underbelly. You took the role of Will Riley, no angel for sure, but not a killer, yet the cold-blooded murderer of your dad is the crime they locked you up for. Fueled by grief and a burning desire for vengeance, you'll bust out of jail intent on finding the real culprit. Once outside, you'll need to blend with the townsfolk to avoid recapture, establish contact with the criminal underworld, and stay one step ahead of the police dragnet. Set in the deep south of the 1980s, American Fugitive is a love letter to the classic movies and games of old. That reads really well. Do you know what? I like. I think that game... Looks really great. I need to check out some reviews. Yeah, I've seen a couple I'd, of I might look trials. at some footage of that. That sounds really uh, good. Okay, well, I've got something else coming up that's going to be my mummy mummy. Do you want that to be your mummy mummy, or are you saving yourself for something Let's else? Let's have a look. Yeah, I'll take that. Okay, so that was Tommy Tom. That was Tommy Tommy. That was Mummy Mummy. That was Tom's. You've been on the Tommy Tippy Cup too much this week. Oh, I tell you what, I don't know what it's been filled with, but it makes me feel very strange. Next up, it's working. Assassins, it's uh, Jesus Juice. (laughs) Assassins Creed Three remastered on the Switch, plus Assassins Creed Liberation remastered May twenty first. Rejoin the Animus this time on Switch. Journey back in time to the dawn of America. This time remastered for the Nintendo console. I'm going to take this second one as well because this is going to be my mummy mummy. Seeing as you hoist me up, hoist me up the flagpole, me hearty, as the PSVR captain of the ship. Uh, Everybody's Golf VR, PSVR, May 21st. Mummy, mummy, this is my mummy, mummy. I'm down here on one-legged. I don't know how the hell I'm going to play a virtual reality (laughs) golf game. But I shall give it my best go. Tee up your perfect shot on the luscious greens of Everybody's Golf with a PlayStation Move motion controller or DualShock 4 wireless controller acting as club. Even golfing newcomers can start playing with ease and with PSVR headset you can see each of the 18 holes across three new courses in a full 360 degrees. To take measure of the uneven terrain and read the wind direction. Need a little practice? Give your putting a little polish and master your tee off at the driving range. And a helping hand is ready to make sure your fairway skills are up to par with your very own customizable virtual caddy offering hints and tips. Tom, next to the complete box set of Howard's Way, the story of the Howard family's long-serving boatyard on the Isle of Wight, brush that to one side... (laughs) We don't want that. That's Mummy's Mummy's Mummy. But <laughs> does Mummy Mummy need to ask Mummy, Grand Mummy, for permission to take that home? I don't think so. I've got a spare bit of pocket money. I'm going to get yeah. it for her. Should That's keep... nice, yeah. You maybe, and her... maybe you'll get wheeled upstairs later. What I'm hoping is you and her so are going to get... Big lo- TV. Yeah, I'm hoping she's going to sit down and go, do you know what, Tom? Let's do the whole series. 
It's four yeah. years worth. <laughs> I'm hoping by the time I can walk, walk again, you won't have played any of the new games and we'll be pound for pound the same. Um, yeah, everybody's golf VR was shown briefly in the state, first state of play. Yes, it um, was. Yeah, that looks cool. I think that'd be good fun. Out soon. I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm probably saving myself, in all honesty, for blood and truth. But uh, everybody's golf VR, I'll have a nibble on that. Yeah. Next up, we've got Observation on PC and PS4, May 21st. Observation is a sci-fi thriller uncovering what happened to Dr. Emma Fisher and the crew of her mission. We like the look of this one, Tom, don't we? We do, yeah. uh, It's been getting some good scores as well. Uh, Through the lens of the station's artificial intelligence, uh, SAM, S-A-M, Players assume the role of Sam by operating the station's control systems, cameras and tools to assist Emma in discovering what is happening to the station. The vanished crew and Sam himself. Mmm. Seen some trails for that again. Yeah. Looks a very interesting game. Very uh, Space 2001. Yeah. Uh, I think that's exactly what they're going for. Next up, Resident Evil Remake plus Resident Evil Zero and Resident Evil 4 on the Switch May 21st. Enjoy the scares all over again in a triple drop of undead fun over on Switch. With updated visuals, this really is a feast for all fans and a great way to experience these games on the go. Now, they're all individual titles and we must stress that. Same yeah, with Assassin's it's not, Creed yeah, 3. It's not a bundle. Just because they're coming out on the same day. They're not a bundle, unfortunately. Yeah. But what a great place to own the remake, the prequel, and 4. Yeah, I mean, 4's been out on... Pretty much everything, but it's I've still even got a it on the game. front screen in the laundry room. I do believe there's a copy of Resident Evil Four for the um, Hot Point washing machines <laughs> menu screen, <laughs> so that's playable on there as well. Excellent. Angry Birds, all the ports. Uh, we've got Team Sonic Racing, which uh, we saw in Stingray's pickups uh, yes. in the Stingray's boot. People had already gone. Yeah, I tell you what, Stingray must have burnt off a few extra copies of Team Sonic Racing. This he did. Week. He must be the most popular. Well, star. he was trying to push Team Sonic Racing, but it didn't quite. It wasn't no. as well received. Was I it? heard he contacted the the creator of Sonic. I think IGN gave it a two point five out of ten. I've played worse. <laughs> we have. <laughs> They're in the pit round the back of the uh, bunker. I've bought worse. I've bought special editions of worse. Uh, Team Sonic Racing combines the best elements of arcade and fast-paced competitive style racing as you face off with friends in intense multiplayer racing. Uh, that's out for PC, PS4, Xbox and Switch on May the 21st. Tom, pass me the cheap can of compressed air. It's time to give the green screen a quick blowout because guess what's coming down? May 23rd for PC... Total War Three Kingdoms. Total War Three Kingdoms is the first in the award-winning series to create epic conflict across ancient China, combining a gripping turn-based campaign of empire building and conquest with stunning real-time battles. PC, that's, May 23rd. That's another game I think I'd really like to pick up if I had a P- game in PC. I, I, really... I, I think if you had a game in PC, you would only own... I've seen people RTSs. put Lord of the Rings mods on those games as well. Even better. Moving on, Tom, please, swiftly. My misery put me out of it. Plunge me on the sword. What are you hoping to play? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I want to finish Days Gone. It's getting to the point now where I need to put a bit more time into it and get that finished. Okay. Um, Jealous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Carry on with New Game Plus on God of War and uh, hopefully convince you to try Red Dead Online again. Okay, well, if I ever get out of the med bay, and it's not looking likely at this point in time, 
probably going to wake up with sepsis tomorrow or something like that. But I suppose I'll carry on putting myself through extras on UMD on the PSP. Great well, series. Welcome to 2006. <laughs> so I'll be watching extras on UMD on the PSP, cutting edge. Uh, and I'll probably also be playing Tomb Raider Anniversary because Legend didn't feel very great on the PSP. It's I may, not a bad life, I've got is the it, charger got... for the Vita now, so I can probably rustle up some Kwame One. Uh, yeah. And actually, because I've got it downloaded, I don't need to put the disc in the console. I may even slug out a round of MLB or two after I got unceremoniously chucked out the World Series in the final. Just wasn't oh, quite no. good enough. Uh, and talking of not being quite good enough, Tom, we're not quite good enough to reach the end of the show. So that's, yeah. I'm afraid, all we've got time for. It is. Uh, and as always, thank you for listening this week, listeners. Thank you for your time, and we look forward to the pleasure of speaking to you again next week. Until then, happy gaming, and remember there's nothing wrong with being given the unofficial controller. It's what you do with it that counts. See you, Tom. Cheers, man. Cheers, man.